this Friday. Your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley. It's anger. Let me at him. Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew, ew. Ugh. Sadness is in the house. Oh, no. Hello, I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only theaters Friday. Get tickets now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and 6-1 since that matters. And what do I even say other than hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I am Tamara Dia, and I am this week's guest on the Kicks and Shit Show, so check it out. What's good, everybody? It's your boy, Jerron, your girl, Gabby. We are back for episode 43 of the Kicks and Shit Show. Ooh, that was a crisp one. I, you know, I, I knew you were likely going to throw the rap sign out, so I was like, all right, let me go ahead and just just go ahead and get my rap myself. <laughs> you wanted to beat me to the punch is what you're saying. <laughs> yes, like, yes, yes. <laughs> kind of like me asking you, Gerard, what's going on? <laughs> I, I, knew, I knew that was coming. <laughs> See, that's the thing. It's always going to one-up one another. Let me ask him first. Let me ask her first. Um, these streets are, you know, they're going well. It is the halfway point of the NBA season, uh, so, you know. That's good in a way, you know, no all-stars we discussed before, which is, you know, sad from that perspective, but also, ain't nobody trying to go to Atlanta and get COVID, so I'm good on that. <laughs> um, 
Otherwise, you know, I'm just out here grinding. We are, it's March, and we're getting closer to spring, maybe, kind of, sort of. Um, not sure. Ish. 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 Yeah. <laughs> like that sense of, like, hope that we get. It's always, like, that first week of March, because I know in Jersey that we do a little bit of a, like, mock St. Paddy's Day. Oh, yeah. This Hoboken St. Paddy's Day. A oh, little yeah. leprechaun action. <laughs> leprechaun was canceled due to lack of hustle, but... <laughs> And bonus points if you understand that reference, which I think you do. But I just think it's like it's always a weird break in the weather. Like there could be snow on the ground and it's like a 60 degree day. We all get really excited. You see a lot of uh, arms and <laughs> knees and shorts come out. I'm like, let's not get crazy. Let's not get crazy. Let's not like, get crazy. There's always that one hero that's like running in a tank top in the middle of March. And I'm like, I mean, right, roll yeah, the relax, buddy. people. Like, you're not yeah. impressing anybody. <laughs> Um, but after that, there's like that crazy dip back down low. So yeah. I can't be too excited about it yet. Yeah. But like we had the windows open earlier and that was a wild time. Wild. Well, look, it's also on the sporting calendar, right? Spring training's happening right now. It's, you know, we are, it's, and you know, sadly, it's also, it's a year, right? Of COVID like March is when everything, I mean, the, remember the NBA shut down that's when everything sort of just like grinding to a halt. It's been a year. It does seem as though things are starting to look better. More and more people are getting vaccinated. The number of appointments and availabilities for vaccines have increased. So that's a good thing. It's it's looking like, cross our fingers, if everybody keeps being good, don't fumble the ball now at the one at the goal line, that by summer, we might be back to regular. Hopefully, hopefully. Yeah, I don't know. Regular schmegular is what we're going to be back to. Summer, <laughs> regular schmegular. By the way, have we talked about that? Um, I don't think I, so. it, it, I don't Where did I read it? But it is a thing that certain people do when they t- take words, they put SH on the front of it. <laughs> like, I, I don't know where I read it. I'll, I'll have to look it up and bring it back to you next time. But it's it's a funny thing. I mean, all right, Gerard, Gerard, I've never heard this before. That just seems weird to me. I don't, I don't know if I like this. Just put the. I mean, you do it all the time. I call you Sherrod. No, you, you do. That's gonna be your alter ego, Gerard. You're, I'm gonna get like a drunk dial for me one day. I'm gonna be like, "What's up, Sherrod?" And I'll be like, "Goodbye." <laughs> That's exactly how that conversation is gonna go down. For those who do not believe, this is exactly what would happen. One thousand percent, Gabby. What is going on in those streets? Well, Gerard, I'm glad that you asked. Um, I, aside from things being pretty typical, I don't get to see the streets that often. Right. Um, I, like I said, the snow is melting off mm-hmm. the street. There's a lot going on. You know, it's International Women's Day coming up, it which is. I am very excited. It is about. also Women's History Month, so yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, you know, all about the ladies this month, mm-hmm. and I know I, I don't want to give away too much about today's guest, but uh, we are very excited to have her on. We are. We are. <laughs> but yeah, aside from oh, that. Oh, wait. What, what if someone listening to this and was like, wait, are they having her on? Like, right? Can you say, <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, folks, that would be a, quite a pull for us if we got her. And her, if you're listening. <laughs> yes, by all means. Oh, we'd love to have you on the show. <laughs> Hopefully, you like sneakers too. Yes. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, I think that things are looking hopeful, and I think that's always something that's great. I think that it's been a crazy, crazy week in the sneaker news cycle mm. uh, with stuff that we're going to talk a little bit about more. But I just, I think that you know, maybe the tides are changing, Rod, and I'm going to take W's now on the sneakers app. 
Well, of course, asks, eh? of course, everyone knows what we're talking about is the blockbuster Bloomberg Business Week article that we discussed last week, which then led to right some little more investigative news and a little bit of a scuttlebutt amongst the sneaker community where people said, well, wait a minute, this kid, West Coast Joe. And remember, I said last week, I was like, I don't know, his name's like West Coast Joe or something. I couldn't remember in the article. I was right. Thank God. Um his mom turns out to be a high-level VP at Nike, and, you know, that seems a little strange, kind of conflict of interest, perhaps. And then all of a sudden, she steps down, and it's like the sneaker community just went nuts. But here's kind of where I want to go with this conversation, Gabby. Yeah. So it's interesting. And I talked to Matt Powell, uh, who is someone that is very plugged into the footwear and sneaker uh, industry from the business side. He helps a lot of these brands and companies look into the data and the analytics. And it's interesting because at the end of the day, when I talk to Matt, it's never about emotion, about how he feels about something. He's like, that may be how someone feels, but the data doesn't support that. Like, that is just patently not true based on the data that I have. And so I asked him today, I said, you know, because the whole big thing that I, I see here is that this resale market, which we rail about all the time, particularly, let, the me, time. Let, me, let, me, let me be clear, the people who take advantage of the resale market, right? Because yes. our good friends and... Sponsors of America's favorite segment, Shoe and Tell, Another Lane, the premier digital marketplace for Dope Kicks, they are in the resale market. However, they are part of the community first and then resellers, right? It's a very big difference than what mm -hmm. this West Coast Joe guy was doing, which is strictly, I'm just reselling for pure profit and trying to gouge people. Total exploitation. Absolutely. It's complete exploitation. So I said to Matt, I go, um, for if you're Nike or you're Adidas or anybody, a resale market's got to help you indirectly, right? Because again, my, my, my thesis was, well, you put out these limited exclusive pairs, pairs that everybody wants to get. You know there's going to be more demand than you have pairs. Okay, fine. Mm -hmm. They go into the resale market and people pay three, four, five X, depending, sometimes 10 X, depending on what the shoe is, uh, for, for these shoes. But what happens is people want to feel a part of the brand anyway, and they get steered into you know, other more accessible products from a Nike and Adidas and New Balance, whoever. Matt says to me, in, in, in very Matt fashion, there is no data that supports that. He goes, the average consumer, sneaker consumer, has no idea a sneaker resale market exists. I was like, mm -hmm. he's like, and it's, and it's, it's the same thing I do when I'm having basketball conversations with people, right? I always operate from the, obviously I cover the league, but if I wasn't covering the league, I'd be a die, I, I'm, I'm a diehard fan, right? Like I am right. deep in the weeds. The casual fan has no idea about half the things I'm talking about because they don't they don't watch it the way I do. Same with sneakers, right? If you're not into this, how would you know there's a sneaker resale market? If you're not because mm -hmm. you're not looking for collabs. And I was like, huh, interesting. Very, very interesting. And Matt said that he saw no actual benefit to Joe for having his mom be there. He's like, what what state secrets is he giving her that, that, that he can get to? And I was like, well, what about other plugs? Go, well, that's got to, what's that got to do with her? Like she has no bearing on this. I'm like, but I thought it was interesting that she decided to step down, right? And Nike hasn't said anything officially about it that I've seen, but I thought the whole thing was interesting. I think it's fascinating. I think there is insider trading happening <laughs> hot off the press. I mean, if this happened in the stock market, you know what I mean? Like people would be like, what? This would be an actual investigation. So I'm curious to see how this unfolds. And honestly, if it continues to unfold or if, 
Nike has the same publicist as the Kardashians, and this is shut down real quick. Yeah, I mean, so, they haven't said anything thus, thus far, so. No, and I, I think it's smart for Nike to not, you know what I mean? I think it's, let's wait until a lot of this chatter that people like us and others in the culture and the industry are having, because at the end of the day, for us, it's all speculation, right? These are no thoughts, idea. opinions, mm-hmm. try, to put our, try to understand the perspective Try to understand even why uh, our friend West Coast Joe, not actually our friend, <laughs> yeah, that's but uh, <laughs> we've never met him. Just want to put a little disclaimer at the bottom of the screen here. But why did he even feel like he would needed to chase that clout? Like, well, yeah, come on, kids. Yeah, yeah. Stay in school. Don't chase the clout. I mean, my man, not worth it. you had a lucrative business making all this cash. If you just shut the hell up, nobody would know about it. Like, I mean, yep. why put your business? See. It's one of my things I always say. Why are you putting your business out here in these streets? See? Snitches get stitches. This is, this is what happens. That's you know? what I say. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, folks, we have a very, very special guest coming up. Gabby did mention uh, International Women's Day is coming up. It is Women's History Month. So, yes, it is a woman, but someone who is very well-known in these sneaker streets. So, stay tuned. What's good, everybody? It's your boy, Gerard, and your girl, Gabby. We're back, and Gabby, we are not alone. We are joined by, and let, you know, I always get, you know, excited when I introduce people and, like, sort of, like, run through, like, who they are. So, this woman is a host. You may have seen her on Complex, MTV, E! News Red Carpets. She is a sneakerhead. You may see her on Instagram, doing lives, all kinds of things. She's an influencer, an all-around badass female. Tamara Dia, welcome. What an intro. I love it. <laughs> right? That was a good one. I mean, you're our guest for International Women's Day, so like, Amazing. we had to give your full resume because you have so much that you're bringing to this conversation already. I'm so hyped about this. I appreciate that. Can you uh, introduce me every time I walk into a room? That was great. No, no problem. No problem. Just give me 10% and we are good to go. pretty <laughs> market <laughs> My manager, who else? <laughs> <laughs> so, Tamara, we obviously are super excited to have you on because you're someone who anybody who is um, adjacent to this industry or in, involved in it directly, they know you. They've seen you all over the place. And so I want to start from the beginning. When did you first fall in love with sneakers? Um, I guess my love affair with sneakers actually started when I was a kid. So I grew up as a tomboy. Uh, I was the only girl in my neighborhood. So I guess the way to kind of connect with the guys, because I played sports too. So uh, aside from being good at sports, it was to talk about sneakers. Um, So very early on, I I learned about sneakers and just kind of fell in love that way. Um, Yeah, I mean, it it started with Jordans, you know, because back then and still to this day, obviously, um, you know, that's what everyone wanted was a pair of Jordans. So um, and again, that kind of goes line in line with just playing sports as well. So, yeah. And I have brothers. So I got the hand me downs the whole night. Uh, yeah. And it just kind of ballooned into this. somehow. <laughs> and that literally is like not even like one eighth of your sneaker collection. That's like <laughs> it's a very small window. <laughs> so you said you play a lot of sports um, growing up. What what were your sports of choice and what were you like the best at? Uh, well, I'm Middle Eastern, so I kind of was born with a soccer ball attached to my foot. Um, so soccer was definitely my predominant sport. Uh, I played a little bit of basketball, tennis. I mean, I also played football. Like, this is back before, you know, there came a point where guys weren't allowed to touch you. <laughs> 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 
afterwards. So I was I hatched very early. So um, I was always, you know, picked pretty early on, you know, above other guys. And that was kind of, you know, fun for me and sucky for them. But uh, I could throw a catch. So that was kind of, you know, that's how you earned your stripes on the playground. So when you were young on the playground and like you were that girl, like, I mean, what was young Tamara like? Were you like talking shit? Like, you yeah, know, that's they picked me because I'm good. Like, I, yeah, I got this. <laughs> Uh, I mean, I don't, I, I mean, I guess we all kind of talk shit, right? <laughs> Absolutely. So, yeah. So, I mean, I was uh, much to my mother's dismay who really wanted me to be a girly girl. I just wasn't, I was just like a tomboy. Um, so I just, I loved playing and I loved winning and I grew up in a competitive family. We were all athletic. So, uh, winning just kind of came along with the, uh, the shit talking. Yeah. Yeah. And so obviously you played a lot of sports and then, you know, as you, you know, you grow up, you go to school, you go to college, whatever. How did the transition from, you know, sports sneaker love transition into content creation and then being, you know, I'm pretty good at this. I'm going to be on camera talking about this stuff to people. Well, as a kid, I always wanted to be on camera. Like I, I was a ham growing up. I, think I was the only girl. So I always mm. wanted, you know, I had to fight for my spot. And I think um, for some reason I gravitated towards being on camera um, but you know, when we were kids, there was, or when I was a kid, there was no internet, there right, was no right. YouTube, mm -hmm. there was no, you know, so that became uh, an avenue that I explored later, you know, when it started popping. Um, and I started as an actress actually. So when I was a kid, I really wanted to be an actress, but again, growing up in a Middle Eastern family, they not were happening. Like, <laughs> they're like, Amara, you will be a lawyer, a doctor, or an engineer. And I was like, I don't want to be any of those. So, um, the only way I could kind of like justify going to school, going to college um, and doing something I wanted and still appeasing my parents was to do journalism because I was always a writer. I would, I would write plays. I would perform it for my parents, you know, and that kind of went line in line with me wanting to be an actress. So I was like, what, what can I study that will make my parents still pay for school? <laughs> <laughs> Or for a piece of school, I was on scholarship. Um, so uh, yeah, so I was like, what what can I do that would make them still support me and will appease me, my personal interests as well? And I decided on broadcast journalism because I could still be on camera, mm -hmm. which appeased that side of me, and I could do the journalism, which would appease. I mean, and I was also interested in journalism as well. Uh, so I studied broadcast journalism in school, which naturally, obviously, grab. You know, I feel like I'm one of the only people that actually does for a living what they studied in school. That's <laughs> so true. Because uh, I feel like that's pretty rare now. Yeah. But yeah, so I, I was acting for a while, and then um, I was getting pretty disheartened by the the hustle of it. Because anyone knows it's a really hard path. Mm -hmm. uh, and I was trying to figure out what I could do that would make me happy, um, aside from busting my butt waiting tables and auditioning all the time. Um, and I was a big fan of Complex. Uh, I would go on the website all the time. And this is kind of when YouTube was really mm -hmm. becoming, I mean, YouTube was already around, but it was kind yeah. of become this, this really big uh, platform for a lot of people. And Complex was just pivoting towards video at this point. So before this, they were a magazine, mm -hmm. became a blog, um, and then they started, you know, kind of diving into the, the digital space in terms of video. So um, I was like, what can I do? I'm looking for a new job. Um, so I went on the career tab for Complex. And just for full disclosure, I did that for a lot of sites. I was doing it for High Snobiety. Um, back then, there was Fader. It's like basically mm -hmm. every blog mm -hmm. into um, that I was 
you know, looking at anyway. It's like, let me see what, what possible jobs I can do. Um, so Complex was looking for a video host. And I was like, that's my job. And I applied and I got pretty far. And then they declined me and they said no. This was in 2014. Um, they said no. I was crushed, like crushed, crushed, crushed. Because I knew this was my job. I knew it was perfect for me. I was like, I'm into sneakers. I'm into music. I'm into sports. I'm a chick. I'm on camera. Like, why did they not give this to me? And mm -hmm. I, I really, truly couldn't understand it. And for the record, the position was in New York at the time I was living in L.A. So a whole year goes by. I'm still out here hustling. And then uh, by happenstance, a friend of mine is at a dinner. And she's sitting next to uh, someone who is from Complex. And they explained that they are now looking to do video content from L.A. So basically, that job now opened up in L.A. So I found out, and you better believe the very next day, I went right back to the job site. I applied, and then I reached out to the person who I'd been talking to the year prior uh, and was like, yo, look, I live in L.A. Give me another shot. So they gave me another shot. I did five rounds of auditions, and I ended up getting the job. So... Um, it wasn't when I planned to get it, but I did get it. And it actually worked out even better because I got to stay in L.A. So, you know, uh, I have a friend that says um, um, not on schedule, but always on time. So mm -hmm. how I felt my hosting career kind of started. It wasn't on schedule, but it was on time. So that complex obviously was a huge platform for me. That's where I first started really uh, developing my knack for, you know, online journalism mm -hmm. and I learned a lot there. Uh, that's a lot of people don't know that we wrote all of our own scripts. A lot of the stories I did, I pitched. Um, I was deeply part of the editing process, the production process. Like we weren't just people talking on a camera and saying, you know, what anyone wanted to say. Like we, we legitimately had our hands in every piece of our videos that went out. So kind of like a wrecking ball in terms of content creation at that point. And I learned a lot as I was going. Uh, yeah, so that was kind of how I started. Very long-winded, <laughs> but there it is. Love it. No, love but it. I, I love that, and I think there's a level of self-awareness, too, you know, that you knew that this was meant for you, and even if you didn't know what that timing was, I mean, I think that's amazing to hear just about that, because I think a lot of people see that people in their dream jobs, and they don't realize the amount of work that goes into it, too, and all the work that you were doing behind the scenes, not just in the journey, but to get to that first job. So once you started at Complex, how did things kind of change for you from there? I mean, it, it changed a lot because I had a platform and I had a voice at that point. So, um, you know, and I got to be submersed in this world that I loved so much. You know, I legitimately would wake up every morning and look at the blogs and I was on them daily. So to become a voice on that, you know, blog like that was huge for me, you know, because I think we're all kind of looking for a way to, you know, fit in or, you know, get in where you fit in type thing. And I felt like I finally got up, got in where I fit in. Um, so, you know, obviously I expanded my network and the people I was meeting, the people I was interviewing, the, you know, the experiences I was living. I got to travel a lot. I got to interview some people that I really, truly admired, um, the artists that I loved. So it was. It, it opened up my world in a really wonderful way. I met a lot of people that to this day are my best friends from Complex. Um, yeah, it was really awesome. And then I was there for two and a half years. Uh, and then one day I was sitting at my desk writing a script and I get a call from my manager and he says, hey, uh, MTV called and they want to fly you to New York for an audition. I didn't know what it was for. 
um, I just knew that, you know, MTV was interested in me. And I was like, <gasps> you know, <laughs> I, I, you know we course. grew up watching we TV. Did. Absolutely. And uh, which was really actually funny and perhaps ironic, uh, you know, when Complex News was really, really like having its moment, mm -hmm. a lot of people told us that we were like the modern day MTV news, mm -hmm. you know, because it was obviously um, it was cool, you know, like we, we were our, our own little characters on this news show and it was so submersed in the culture, you know, I would get stopped all the time, you know, we were... Um, you know, recognizable in our own right for the work that we were doing. And that felt really good. Um, so yeah, when MTV called, it was, uh, it felt like it also, again, felt right, not on schedule, but on time. Um, so I flew to New York and auditioned for, um, MTV. And again, it was multiple rounds of auditions. So I was flying back and forth from LA to New York. And obviously it was a much larger scale. I was shooting in studios and on Times Square um, and then, yeah, it was like another one of those moments where I knew in the audition I was going to book it because I just, it felt right. I don't know how to explain it. You just, yeah, when you, you know, 100% agree. Yeah. And so I was literally on the plane um, heading back to LA. It was taxiing off. I get a call from my manager and he said, they're booking you. And I said, yeah, I figured. <laughs> and it was not the best response. Yeah, I didn't even, and not even from like a, a arrogant place. It was more of just like a knowing, like yeah, yeah. I I know that I'm right for this job. Um, so everything, my life switched up real quick. Um, I had to be back in New York to move back cross country within three weeks, um, which is a lot. Yeah. I also had to leave a position and uh, that I loved at Complex. I genuinely loved it, and I loved the people I was there with. So like to to kind of switch gears so quickly and I wanted to do it respectfully. Um, yeah. So my life changed pretty quickly. I moved to New York cross country and I left complex on a Friday it was my last day. I was shooting an MTV that Sunday. So there, there was no doubt. <laughs> I, w I jumped right in. So you didn't even get a weekend. I did not No, <laughs> And, and quite frankly, I didn't even get a day because I was traveling during that day. Right. Oh, it takes nine hours yep. to go from LA to <laughs> New York because the time changed. Exactly. So it was literally landed, went to sleep, maybe had dinner, woke up the next morning, went straight to the studio. So it was very, very, very fast paced. And, and anybody who's done that cross country move, and I've done it twice, that it's it's no joke. Like it is no joke. Yeah. You, know, you touched on so much there. Um, and Complex, of course, is where that's where I first discovered you. I think that's where Gabby probably first discovered mm -hmm. you as well. And you're right. That's MTV. You you guys were the, the, the modern day MTV, right? Like it was everything was sort of new and burgeoning. And that's when the YouTube and video, that's when content uh, platforms started realizing, no, video is the thing we need to be doing here. And con and Complex was ahead, ahead of the ahead of the time there. I do want to go back to something you said, which I find so interesting as myself being the child of immigrant parents following your dreams right and making your making your family happy is this constant thing that you're like that you have to battle um what do they say now when they see all of your success and you're doing what you're doing well look it's been a long road and they were i mean even at complex they didn't really understand you know so it's like they don't know who little uzi bird is so i'm right. like i didn't go and do uzi bird today she's just like, like they don't Oh, you know, like she's like, I don't wish, like, you know, so she doesn't understand that stuff. I'm like, Mom, I, I you know, I got to, you know, drive around with DJ Khaled today. She's Wait, like, 
She's like, Khalid? I'm like, no, DJ Khalid, he's the big producer. Like, she's like, you know, so they don't, they don't understand those things, you know? So it wasn't even, it wasn't until I got to MTV, really. Or actually, no, because uh, I covered the Grammys for uh, Complex. Mm-hmm. So being at the Grammys, mm-hmm. even though all the talent I was interviewing, they had no idea who uh, they were. Right. It was enough for me. They're like, oh, being on a red carpet, they understood. They knew that. Okay. They, knew, they knew what the Grammys were. Mm-hmm. So for them, they're like, oh, okay, she's putting on a gown now. Like, <laughs> you know, I'm like, ah. You know, like my daughter who I've only ever seen in like, you know, jeans and sneakers is like, you know, actually trying now to be a woman. <laughs> you know, so they were excited about that stuff. But like they didn't, I think, you know, as you said, you're a child of immigrant parents as well. At the end of the day, they want to brag to their friends is what I've learned. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't until I was on MTV and their friends could turn on the channel and see me that that was like a big moment for them. And they were like, all right, maybe this road that she has been fighting to be on all this time, maybe there's actually something there. And then when I got to E, that was like really like. <laughs> oh, she, she made it. <laughs> yeah, because at that point I'm interviewing, you know, Nicole Kidman and right. Bradley Cooper and my mom loves her, so Bradley Cooper. Oh. I don't blame her, she's got good taste. <laughs> I know, right? She was like, well, the only other person that I could have interviewed who I have not yet interviewed, but uh, would have been Brad Pitt. That would have like made her like, <laughs> so, but Bradley Cooper was enough for her to like share that clip with her friends and be like, "Look at my daughter, Bradley Cooper." <laughs> I love it. Thanks, mom. I, yeah. I I also love your impersonation of your mother. Hilarious. <laughs> She's amazing, by the way. Shout out to you. <laughs> <laughs> Shouts to you, mom. <laughs> um, one of the things I love that you talk about too, and because I, I resonate in my own journey too, uh, is the pressures of females in the sneaker industry and needing to feel like you fit into a certain box. I have Jewish parents, so you can imagine the uh, the pressures of that. And my parents are lovely people, but you know, you know, Gab, like it'd be really cute if you wore tennis skirts. I wanted to play hockey. My parents put me in figure skates and an ice skate. Let me tell you how long that one lasted. That long. So I understand that, but I, I think there's something that you really touch upon about being your authentic self and really owning who you are and, and seeing how that kind of has transitioned. But the industry that we're in, what are the pressures like? Is there a certain way that you feel like you need to be? Is it a fight against authenticity? Um, would love to tap more into that. Yeah, I mean, look, as you said, you're a woman in this space, so you understand that it's not exactly the easiest path for us. Um, I've been in this space for, a, like, in a visible place uh, for six years now. And when I first started, you know, there weren't a lot of women that were visibly in the sneaker space at all. Um, so, you know, I was one of a handful of, of us in the space. And now you see so many girls and women, you know, with their sneakers and everything, which is dope to see, honestly, because it's, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's great to feel like we finally have representation. Um, and then there's the other side of it where you're like, you weren't there, you know? So <laughs> there's like that other side of you where you're like, you know, you see these bloggers, for example, on Instagram that up until a year ago had no sneakers on their page and now suddenly they're all sneakers. So like that part of you feels a little inauthentic, mm-hmm. which I don't like. Um, but I do, you know, I see young girls, you know, tapping in and I genuinely love that. And I think that there's a lot of room for all of us here. So it's great to see. Um, that being said, in terms of authenticity, look, that. I think comes across, um, you know, 
and especially in social media where there's so much smoke and mirrors, I do feel that people get a sense of whether or not you are an authentic member of that community. Um, and that goes without really having to say anything. You can just feel it. You can see it. So fighting to remain authentic. I think we change, you know, it's like my interests have changed over the last five years. I feel like mm -hmm. a lot of interests have changed over the last five years. The sneaker world has changed over the last five years and it's gotten to a point where it's, uh, it's getting very frustrating to mm -hmm. be part of the sneaker industry because it's not what it used to be. And I'm sure we'll touch on that more when we talk about the Nike scandal, but mm -hmm. like, uh, it is, it's a fight to remain authentic, but I think it's also a fight to remain authentic in your daily life, you know, yeah. regardless of what industry you're in. It's just, you know, we're all getting bombarded with so much, you know, stimulus every day. So I think we're all just trying to stay as centered as we can. No, for sure. And mm -hmm. you, you're tapping into so much right there, Tamara, like, you know, to, to grow is to evolve, right? Like that's it. it and that's to, and it's to learn. And when we stop doing that, like, well, then you might as well be dead at that point, right? Like you, you've got, you, you have to keep changing and evolving. And I think that once the authenticity is there, right? And I think that comes through when you are just being that, like being yourself, right? And not trying to ride a wave or a fad. And you know, you talk about how the sneaker industry has changed. And I feel like, you know, this Nike story is sort of like encapsulates what's going on. Right. I mean, I often rail about capitalism <laughs> often just because, often. <laughs> well, just because, look, I, let's not get it twisted. I understand that it is the system we have and it functions. And let's be clear for the work I do, I want to be compensated. Right. But yeah. the way in which it works it is so vile when it is unregulated and you see it in every single thing. And let's just look at sneakers because that's the that's the, the space that we're in. So this Nike story comes out of this this sneaker reseller, right, who is someone who from everything that the article says and I didn't do any Instagram dives on him. He doesn't seem to be someone who is like in it for the culture. Right. He appears to be someone who's in it as purely a money making enterprise. Now. I'm not knocking the way anyone wants to make money, right? If you want to make money, do your thing, you do what you got to do. But the way in which you go about doing it, right? Literally using bots, which <laughs> we'll get us started on that, right? To take away the opportunities from people who, you know, and I know lots of people like growing up like this and just even now who, okay, there's a sneaker I want. I'm going to set aside X amount of dollars in budget. We had uh, TJ Kiesel on uh, a couple episodes ago. She's like, if I want this, I set a budget here, 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 and this is what I'm going to do. So if you know, here's my spending money for this thing and I want it, okay, you expect to make a reasonable effort to get it. When you have no chance and then you think about, all right, let me figure out this resale market and depending on what kind of shoe it is, it's two, three, four, five, six, sometimes 10x the original retail price. What? Yeah. Like, uh -huh. that is insane. So I want to talk to you about your thoughts on the resale market and then in specifics like this particular Nike story and West Coast Joe. Uh, well, I'm going to start by saying I'm exhausted by this. Story. <laughs> I'm sure for like three days straight. I don't know if you saw it, but I got dragged on the Internet for a tweet that I had. I did the first one. Yeah, because you were supporting uh, the Nike VP and uh, let me be clear. I wasn't supporting um her necessarily because I don't actually know whether she was complicit or not. None of us do. Mm, right. yeah. I was more remarking on the poetic nature of that story. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like at the day, like I am a storyteller in terms of like uh, being a journalist and 
being a content creator. So for me, it was more of just this story of like, wow, this woman, as we discussed earlier, uh, as Gabby will note to, is that being a woman in this space is not easy. She's been doing it for 25 years and got up to a really high position, which mm-hmm. is rare. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the irony of it com- coming tumbling down because of her son was what I was remarking on. Mm-hmm. Um, and let me be clear that the dragging felt very misogynistic because a lot of the people that were coming for me were saying, you're a feminist. This is why feminist, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, what? I literally was like, how did, what? How did we get here? And I, and I would reread the tweet and I was like, did I, did I make it like that? And I was like, maybe I rewarded it the wrong way. And I was like, no, I legitimately was just remarking on the fact that like this woman worked her way to the top of a male dominated industry fact. Uh, and got tumbled down because of her son. Fact. So, mm-hmm. so, uh, and and again, being a woman in this space, um, I think was made very apparent because I got dragged because I'm a woman in this space, remarking on another woman in the space. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, my thoughts on the resale industry. I understand that it has become its own economy. Um, and if you read the footwear news article that, uh, I was interviewed in, I also remarked that I'm never going to knock someone for the way they get their money as long as it's not hurting anyone. Um, and especially in the times that we're in, you know, people are legitimately just trying to make money to pay rent and situations like that. Mm-hmm. In the case of West coast, Joe specifically, he clearly is, a a, a young white male who has access and uh, funds that a lot of people do not. Um, So there is a sense of um, not entitlement. What's the word? Privilege. There's a level of privilege that he has. Uh Exactly the word I was looking for. Thank you. There's a sense of privilege that he has that a lot of people do not. So I think that is a part of the story that mm-hmm. we don't necessarily know. And if we want to say even white privilege, that's on the table mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's kind of part of the story that people haven't truly tapped into. But I do think that's part of the story that hit a lot of people to the point that they got that angry. And that so many people and that the story has become such a huge thing is because it's kind of in our faces now. Right. It was something that we all knew was happening. You see the photos on Instagram. Yep. With- the sneakers that we wanted to get that we were up at 7 a.m. trying to get on sneakers app and didn't get. And then you see 500 of them sitting behind this kid um, who now we learn is the son of a, you know, VP at Nike. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. We have every right to be angry. The optics do not look good. It looks terrible. It looks yeah. terrible. From Nike standpoint. It looks terrible from uh, Ann Hebert's standpoint and it looks terrible from the culture standpoint, quote unquote, that like now this is the type of person that's legitimately kind of showing us what the market is. Right. So mm-hmm. we all are allowed to be angry, every single person and every single person is allowed to be angry in their own regard from their own angle. Uh, I don't think this is going to make the resale market go away. Do you know what I mean? Like people are like, oh, how do you think this is going to change going forward? Mm -hmm. I don't. I don't think it's going to change going forward. Should it change? Yes, absolutely. Like, should I be able to buy a pair of sneakers that I want without having to pay three, four, five, six times retail? Absolutely. And that's the part of this whole mess that I 
get so frustrated with. And I know that sounds kind of uh, innocuous as I'm sitting in front of a bunch of sneakers. No, <laughs> not I at mean, all. Not to us. <laughs> I, I believe it. Trust me, not to us. <laughs> but anyone that loves sneakers understands that, like, it's not, you know, it, we have a lot of sneakers because we love them. <laughs> and we buy them. Yes, exactly. So, you know, the sneakers that I've gotten in the last two years have not been through Nike. Do you know what I mean? Um, aside from ones that perhaps they might have sent me or gifted me, I, I full disclosure. Um, but, you know, they're not necessarily gifting me the ones that I'm going for. Do you know right. what I mean? Yeah. And, and not. To, and I'm grateful, obviously, for every sport. I don't mean to sound spoiled. Um, but obviously there's ones that I love. So I have to go about my own means, calling people. Like, I'm entering raffles like everyone else. Like, it's not, uh, you know, it, it's not an easy game. And it sucks that it's even a game now. It shouldn't yeah. be. It should just be this thing that we love and that we can put on and wear. I wear my sneakers. Yep. I'm like, my favorite example is these, which now I kind of feel like a dummy because I found out how much they're worth on the resale market. <laughs> but I wear my freaking sneakers. Look at these. I freaking mm -hmm. dunk them. These are the Complex Con AF1. Yeah, love them. Literally, I've worn into the freaking ground because I wear my sneakers and then I found out that they're worth like 10 Gs now, which sucks. <laughs> <That's> insane. <laughs> But that's what Loki, I'm like, how do I make them look new? <laughs> I was like, there's probably a TikTok video for that. <laughs> a little sneaker yeah, refurb somewhere. Yeah, sneaker doctor or whatever. Like, send them. Like, I don't like, okay, maybe I should tell them. But, like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't think about buying them to resell them. I think about, oh, I love these. I'm going to buy these. I'm going to rock these. I'm going to fill, I'm going to stunt in these. Um, but that's not, I don't think that's the game these days. No, no. And it, it, it's really unfortunate because. Again, it's it's robbing people of that experience. Uh, we had Mike Sykes on um, from the Kicks You Wear um, a couple episodes ago, and we were talking about the Trophy Room uh, ones, right, and just that whole process. Oh, and as I said to Mike, it is it isn't even to the point that like if I go into a raffle, I'm expecting to win. That ain't the point. And like that's the point with like sneakers and all that. It's more like why is this process so difficult? And why does it, do I feel like it is inherently unfair from the jump, right? Like that's so much of what this is. And then to your point, you pull up Instagram and you see Kid X and motherfucker, how do you have 700 boxes already? Like they literally just came out at 10 o'clock or so today and you already have 700 boxes of them. How or is that possible? They post the photo even before they drop. Right. Yep. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, I mean, that's an issue obviously of backdooring. It's an issue of plugs. You know, look, um, it's not, I mean, life's not fair, right? You know, so it's it's hard for us to be over here, quote unquote, bitching about sneakers. But it's just when we've been in this industry for so long and to see the way it's shifted. Um, and I think I said this in the article, like it's, it's taken my love out of it. Mm -hmm. It sucks, you know, it just sucks. No, I feel that. And I think um, for me as the consumer too, I mean, I know you see all the memes on Instagram, like, oh, another L, another sneaker drop. To your point, it's made me kind of not want to buy either. I mean, it's it's turned me off. And I think the clubhouse room, I'd love to talk about that, too, because I know there's been some great conversations on clubhouse. Uh, a lot of conversation around how that's, like, taken away the user experience from Nike. Like, And Nike does so, amazing, so many amazing things. But do you think that this situation, even just from a general population, because this has expanded beyond the sneaker culture, right? Do you right. think that this is big enough to impact the perception of Nike and where do we go from here? Uh, no. <laughs> you know, like at the end yeah. of the day, 
I mean, someone in one of the clubhouse rooms the other day was saying we should boycott Nike, and I was like, never going to happen. Never, yep. Right. Uh, Nike is a conglomerate. Literally, Nike, yeah. is, uh, Nike is an iconic name and uh, business within this industry. They're a not global building. behemoth. Yep. <laughs> Beautiful way to say it. Um, them, this small, this issue was a blip on their radar. Yep. And if I've learned anything in the last few days about getting dragged on Twitter, is that a few days later it goes away. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so it's like, it's going to go away. People are not mm. going to stop. I mean, today there was a drop for dunks that yep. I, I saw people, you know, on Twitter. We're right back, back to regular programming. Yep. I mean, like it's nothing has changed. I mean, people are angry and yell. It feels like we're, you know, old man yells at cloud. Like, <laughs> We're just what we're doing. We're just kind of like yelling and getting our anger out. And then the next day we're like, wait, but I do want these shoes. Let me try for it, even mm -hmm. though I'm not going to get them, but I'm going to try. Um, so, no, I don't think anything is going to change. I, I think that this is just where we're at right now. And it is just a, the game. And if you choose to stay in, you stay in. And if you want to hop out, you hop out. It's just what it is. And that's just how life goes. Things change. Yeah. I was telling Gabby at the top of the show that I talked to a footwear industry insider um, earlier today and we we're talking about it. And it's so interesting because we're so immersed in it and because of who we curate to follow on our various social platforms, it seems like this is a huge deal. And it is within the scope of what we're looking at. But to your point, Tamara, in the larger Nike scope, it ain't a big deal because as my, my, my insider told me, the average footwear consumer has zero idea that a resale market even exists. So mm -hmm. the, what this means nothing, right? And we, and we know from talking to various folks, the collabs and the fancy shoes and nice shoes that we want, those aren't the ones that keep the lights on at Nike. It's the Tanjune and all these other shoes that like exist everywhere else in every other place that you can get access to. That's yeah. what drives the actual money at places like Nike and Adidas and wherever, right? It's those everyday things, not these special, small, segmented things that people within the space that we know care about. Right. And let's also, I mean, I feel like Nike's been getting bashed these last couple of days. Um, let's not also forget the good that they've done. You know, mm -hmm. I feel like mm -hmm. Nike has done amazing work, especially with their social campaigns. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, when every other brand was turning their back on Colin Kaepernick, they mm -hmm. went to Colin Kaepernick and made a huge campaign with him and stood behind him. Even though the stock that day dropped significantly, there was the right wingers out there burning their Nikes in their trash cans. Like, how dare you stand with Colin Kaepernick? You know, like, you know what I mean? Right. Like, he a lot of work, a mm -hmm. lot of really wonderful work that's way more important than I believe than, you know, tackling a reseller. Yeah. Like, I think, you know, the, the depth of the work that they are doing in terms of spotlighting the injustices of the world is significantly more important than taking down a 15-year-old suburban kid who <laughs> has a box. Sorry. <laughs> no, you're, you're right on that. And, you know, mm -hmm. Gabby and I, we are, we are big fans of Nike and Jordan Brand and all of our people over there, so... We love all the work that they do um, within various communities. Before we get into America's favorite segment, Shoe and Tell, which is coming up next, uh, Tamara, what is on the horizon for you? When are the people or where are the people going to see you next? Uh, I mean, I'm around, man. You just follow my <laughs> social media. You see me. I'm out here. I'm like, I don't even know sometimes. Like, <laughs> I mean, legitimately, like, I don't know, like, I get a call one day and they're like, hey, we need you here. I'm like, all right, I'm there. Or, you know, I get a call from a brand and they're like, hey, we want to, you know, help produce this. I'm like, all right, cool, let's do it. Like, 
I mean, that's kind of the scope of my job has changed a lot, especially with COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just become more broad. I guess before I would say I'm a TV host and now it's, you know, I'm so much more than that, uh, which I'm grateful for. Um, yeah. So just check out my social media and you can stay up to date with everything that I'm doing. I, I try to stay active. I feel like I'm really bad at social media. <laughs> I don't think so. I just, I think I would warn the people, be careful about sliding in those DMs. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, Gabby, please go there. It is it is one of my favorite things to see, because especially when you do shoot or shoot, right? Like, because, yeah. you know, as I would not experience this because I'm a guy, but I'm Gabby can speak to this. I uh, she always tells me, Gerard, look at these DMs that I get. And I'm like, oh, dear God, like people are ridiculous. What are some of the funniest DMs that you that yeah. you've gotten? Uh, well, COVID brought out the, the comedians. I thought like I was getting the, like, you know, if COVID don't take you out, can I, see, those are the ones that I'll, you know, like regram in my story and be like, I actually like this one. This one actually works, you know, or, uh, I had another funny one recently. It was like, um, are, are you baby Yoda? And I was like, the hell does, and I was just like, yes, I'm Baby Yoda. And he's like, he's, what did he say? He was like, good, because Baby Yoda won for me. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Get your mans. Get your mans, get your mans, mans Gabby. Get, get your mans. Why do I have to go get that man? I don't want that man. <laughs> but like, I, I appreciate someone that can make me laugh, right? Like, of course, I'm, you know, it doesn't work. I mean, like, that's, the, the the laughing works. I'm sure what he was hoping would work didn't work. But uh, I appreciate when they're funny because you know there's some weirdos out there, and the weird ones are not as uh, enticing to see. <laughs> No, no, no. And uh, for the folks out there watching, there will not be any OnlyFans pages featuring Superfix, so stop flying the camera. Yeah. Well, no, they they want well, they want my feet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh yeah, no, I mean a feet focused OnlyFans. <laughs> Key, I told you, I've been out here doing a, a, a lot of hustle, so maybe the OnlyFans feet is not a bad idea. <laughs> That's next sneaker trend is taking off the kicks. Yeah. Oh, my God. That would actually probably go, like, that would probably do really well on TikTok. It, oh, my <laughs> God. That would crush TikTok. That would crush TikTok. Are you kidding? Oh, my God. I th- well, look, uh, if you're – the foot fetish people are a very uh, passionate group. <laughs> So I don't necessarily know that I would want to tailor my content to them because I am I ain't ready. <laughs> I that was the most PR ready. way to word that. that was I amazing. love it. I ain't ready. So fellas, listen, Tamara just told you. I mean, you can slide in the DMs. At least be funny. You're not going to get anywhere, but at least you'll make her laugh. So you know, good on you for that. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I shouldn't say that because Loki, I did. Uh, I mean, he's an ex-boyfriend now. Shout out to him. We're friends. Um, <laughs> we met. We met in my DM, so it's not entirely out of the realm of possibility that it could work. Um, so, Tamara, classic film. So you're saying there's a chance. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, fellas, you you know what to do. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> folks, get ready because coming up next is America's favorite segment. Presented by Another Lane, the premier digital marketplace for dope kicks. Stay tuned. What's up, guys? We are back, and it is time for America's favorite segment, Shoe and Tell, presented by Another Lane, the premier digital marketplace for dope kicks. Now, listen, y'all know we love, love, love Another Lane. 
Chad and Adina, husband and wife duo, they really, really do it, do it right. You know, we talked about last segment, the ills of the resale market and what we don't like about it. Everything that is good about sneaker community and resale, go over to anotherlane.com. They, Chad and Adina, are here for the culture first. That is their primary thing. And then it's, hey, if people want to sell and do whatever, they got you on there. But it is about a community. It's about establishing those ties. All the reasons why you fell in love with sneakers in the first place. That's what they want to promote. It's a beautiful place. Check it out. Anotherlane.com. Now, Tamara, it is shoe and tell time. The floor is yours. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, well, I'm going to start with my most recent uh, sneaker that I got that um, I really, really wanted. And I always love also spotlighting women designers, especially when it comes to sneakers. So I'm pulling out the ambushes. Oh. Dunks. I love. OK, so I'm already a huge fan of Yoon Ambush. I think she's so supremely mm-hmm. So I was really excited when she was doing her collaboration. Um, and I just love the details on it. I don't know if you guys are. Oh, yeah, just, we can see it. Yep. I was going to say, I actually have a pair. Finally <laughs> yeah, I, I love them. Mm. I love them. I'm, uh, again, like I said, like I love supporting women in the space. I have like all of Alayli May sneakers. I have Melody Asani's. Like anytime there's a woman designer that um, drops a pair of sneakers, I do my, my absolute best to try and support um, but these are the most recent ones that I got that I am just really obsessed with. I think she did an amazing job. I just love how edgy her uh, style is. Um, I guess the I have uh, a question for you. Yeah. With the ambush dunks, because I love that colorway as well, the black and the white and the way that like they took the iconic style and you really like ran with it. What do you think about the pair that is all pink? So um, I actually, uh, Nike flew me out to uh, New York for Fashion Week. Uh, actually... Right before COVID, um, it was like the last trip I took right before COVID. Um, and that's where they unveiled those dunks and they were the pink mm-hmm. ones. And yep. I saw them in person. I loved them, loved them. And I, even they were all pink, which generally is not my thing. Um, but the style of them were so dope. And I, like I said, like, I love the actual design of it. Um, I did, I wasn't able to get the all pink ones, but admittedly, these are more wearable for me just mm-hmm. because it goes more mm-hmm. like these tones more along with everything. Line what I wear. Yeah. And I saw that she did a one of one of the Chicago, um, mm-hmm. colorway mm-hmm. and that I want her to drop those. So bad. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Which actually leads me to my next shoe. And oh, 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 nice little segue there for you. I like it. <laughs> Ayo. Uh, so my Chicago one, mm-hmm. uh, these to me are just obviously classic. Um, and I think maybe perhaps, what made me fall in love with sneakers? I can't remember. It was so long ago. Um, but obviously, you know, watching Michael Jordan uh, play and, and these sneakers being, you know, just like iconic. And I, I, it was like a photo of him. I think it's the one where he's like jumping up and you see like his chains mm-hmm, fly mm-hmm. Uh, and he's wearing these. And I just like even as a kid, I mean, that was before my time. But uh, I remember that photo and like that always just stuck with me. And obviously we all loved Michael Jordan as an athlete. Mm-hmm. So um, I just always had these sneakers in my head, like as a kid, they were always in my head, like all oh, the Chicago ones, the Chicago ones. So when I was able to finally get my hands on them, um, and again, I wear them, FYI. <laughs> Don't wear their Love sneakers. Wear sneakers. Um, yeah, so it was just a special sneaker for me, and it's one of my favorite in my collection because, uh, yeah, there's like a weird sentimental 
you know, sneaker value to them for me personally. Not weird at I all. They're it. wonderful. We love no. it. <laughs> um, and then again, I, I have so many and I, it's so hard to always choose. Like if I yep. could, I would say, I would just throw some out. Like the unions are yep. awesome. Mm -hmm. Being black cement threes. I love are great. the threes. Classic. Yep. I mean, these are also, uh, like, you know, I, I love these again. There's photos of MJ and these like in a game. Mm -hmm. I love, love, love these, but I think the one I'm going to pull out and like truly show, um, and I'll tell you why is these, the Travis Scott Ooh. Air Force. Oh, my favorite of all the Travis Scott's. <laughs> so I love these because if, uh, you know, I think if you love sneakers, maybe, I mean, maybe it's just me, but like you low key design them in your head too. Like if mm -hmm. I could design sneakers, I always think about like what I would design. Um, and I love the, I love like sneakers that change. Right. Yeah. So like, you, you think about, you know, these things being able to come off and on. You mm -hmm. look at, like, the the jewelry tones on there. These yeah. you can change as well. Um, and I also am a big fan of gum sole. I'm, like, a sucker for gum sole. Nice. So I just love the sneaker. Um, and, you know, this kind of, like, started Travis's whole foray, mm -hmm. really. So it's cool that this is, like, one of the first ones before they became you know, what these they are now, yeah. Like, you know, obviously we knew that Travis Scott was gonna be a big mover and shaker in the sneaker game. I don't necessarily know that we thought he was gonna be deep <laughs> shaker right. the way that he is. Um yeah. but so this for me and I love like little you know, just like little details, like you know, this being upside down, like yep. the yeah. Like I love little details like that on sneakers. So I think that's why I pulled this one out. Um A because I love it. I love the silhouette, but just like the little details of yeah. the changeability of it and you know you see a lot of sneakers now where they do the tearaway mm -hmm. so um actually i have this was a collaboration between um shoe surgeon and twix uh but this is like Ooh. one of the tearaways. oh cool you like scratch this part off underneath it is a whole different color awesome. um, but i have like minor ocd so i don't scratch <laughs> <laughs> I have minor OCD. Hilarious. Um, Tamara, what are your favorite silhouettes? Uh, I mean, the Jordan 1. I mean, how can I not say the Jordan 1? It's literally where, uh, for me, where everything began. And I think a lot of people still mm -hmm. take wins from this today. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, definitely the Jordan 1. It's like my favorite. I think it's just a perfect silhouette. Love yep. it. That's that, why it's so timeless. Completely agree. It's a classic, yeah. man. Mm -hmm. Stands the test of time. Folks, this has been super fun. Tamara, tell the people where they can find you. You can find me at Tamara Dia across all my socials, uh, Instagram, Twitter, um, YouTube, TikTok. I don't really TikTok, but maybe you guys can convince me to. <laughs> Clubhouse. <laughs> Clubhouse, yes, exactly. Clubhouse. Oh, we didn't really talk too much about Clubhouse, but yeah, Clubhouse. <laughs> <laughs> and folks, you know where to find us. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, Stitcher, SoundCloud, we are, of course, part of the Count the Dinks family and on the bomb feed. So you can find us there. And we are at Kicks and Shit Show across all platforms. That includes Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. We are all we're, 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 we have one. It. We have Don't one. And TikTok. We're on TikTok, too. <laughs> Don't follow us on TikTok. Do not need his obsession, guys. Do not. Uh, until next time, folks. Peace. Life's better with American Family Insurance. 
Because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.